We are continuing the Ephesians sermon series this morning. This is sermon number eight in this particular series. We are going to be picking up exactly where we ended last week. We're in Ephesians chapter five, and we are going to begin with verse 22, and we're going to continue through verse nine of chapter six. So I'd encourage you to go ahead and find your Bibles Um, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And I want to invite you, as I almost always do, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand right now just to honor the reading of God's Word? This is the Word of the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, now I pray that you will just simply open our minds to hear, to receive, to understand, and to apply your word. And Father, as I stand here behind this pulpit, what I pray that you would just simply move me out of the way and let them see you instead. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. 
You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is Spirit-Filled Submission. And I want to just talk just a moment about last week. Remember last week we were talking about the fact that as Christians we are expected to walk as children of light. We're to have nothing to do with darkness. We talked about the fact that Jesus is the light of the world and that Jesus, our light of the world, he will expose the darkness. And then we talked about how we're to address each other, that we are supposed to address each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we are supposed to sing and make melody to the Lord with our heart and that we're supposed to be thankful People, And then where we stopped last time, where we stopped last Sunday, it, we stopped with this phrase, that we are to submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And so that brings us to where we are starting this morning. Again, the title of this message is Spirit-Filled Submission. And I want to say something before we start diving into the scripture this morning. This morning's text is a prime example of why Brother Blake and I typically preach through books of the Bible from beginning to the end. First of all, we are called to proclaim the entire counsel of God, and that is what we try to do to the best of our ability. But there are certain passages of Scripture they are just more difficult to preach than others. This is one of them. And I suspect this morning, as soon as I read the first verse, there were a number of you that probably cringed. And the reason that you cringed is because you likely have known someone who was in an abusive relationship. Perhaps you are that person that's in an abusive relationship. You might find yourself asking the question, does God really expect me to be submissive to that? And we're going to answer that question this morning with the help of the scriptures. So, again, let's pay attention to the scripture this morning and in my feeble attempt to preach it to you. So in verses 22 through 24, we see this command that wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So I want to revisit the question that I asked just a moment ago. What about the woman, or in some cases the man, that is in an abusive relationship? What are they to do? Are they still called to submit? And I want to tell you as Christians, our first duty is to submit to the Lord. Men, I want to talk to you for just a minute. It is absolutely God's desire for you to be the spiritual leader of your household. Absolutely, without question, that is God's desire for you as the husband to be the spiritual leader of your household. It is God's desire that you as the husband submit yourself to the Lord and that 
everything that you do honors the Lord. That's his desire for you. And we're going to see here in just a moment in a future verse that husbands have an enormous calling in the spiritual relationship of his household. But what about those women that are in an abusive relationship? Are they called to continue to be submissive to their husbands? And I believe the answer to that is if your husband does not honor the Lord, if he does not honor the Lord, your call is to be submissive to the Lord. Now, please don't misunderstand me and think that I'm talking about divorce right now. I am not talking about divorce. But it is not God's desire for abuse to occur in a relationship. It is not. We are to submit ourselves first to the Lord. And again, husbands, we have such a huge responsibility here. Look at this particular verse. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Do we know how much Jesus loved the church? Yes, we do. We know how much he loved the church. Jesus dedicated his life to the church. He loved the church so much that he died for the church. Husbands, that's our call. That is our call. We are to love our wives exactly like Christ loved the church. That's the extent that we are to love them. We are to love our wives with all that we have with everything that we are. And it's our jobs as husbands to provide for our wives in every area. We are supposed to provide for them for the overall welfare of their lives, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Husbands, it's our call to follow the the biblical example that Jesus gives us in Scripture Perhaps you, you, you know you're hearing me this morning and you know that you're not fulfilling that role in your family. Let me tell you, it's time to man up and do it. It is time to man up and do it. It is our responsibility. Now, I have known a number of people that didn't do that, and I am so thankful for godly women that will step inside that role, inside their homes, And disciple their children, disciple their family. But husbands, we're to lead the charge. We are to lead the charge. I want to ask you a question. If we, as husbands, are submitting ourselves to the Lord, and that we're following the Lord's guidance in our lives, if we are loving our wives as Christ loved the church, if we are willing to lay our lives down for our wives, do you think submission will be a problem? And the answer is no. 
Submission will not be a problem if we truly love our wives like that. The time is now. And the result of that is the reason that Christ loved the church like this is so that the church would be without spot or wrinkle, without any type of blemishes. That is God's desire for our marriage. That's his desire. We Husbands, we've got a huge responsibility, and the time is now. The time is now to take action. And then Paul doesn't just stop with that verse. You know, you would almost think that once he said that, they would have got it. But he doesn't stop there, probably because they needed to hear more, possibly because we need to hear more this morning. Look at verse 28. In the, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. You know, most of us, when we get thirsty... We're going to get a drink of water, aren't we? In my case, I either drink water or black coffee. That are, that's the two things I drink. Occasionally orange juice, but typically when I'm thirsty, I drink water or black coffee. When I'm hungry, I usually get something to eat. If I'm truly hungry, we realize, we reach an age where we realize that this is the body we have. We can either do something to take care of it or it will be completely out of control. We nourish ourselves when we're thirsty, when we're hungry. We're supposed to do the exact same thing for our marital relationship. And, you know, I, I'm currently 56 years old. I've seen a lot in my lifetime. I've heard a lot in my lifetime. I have heard men make this statement, but my wife doesn't look like she used to. And they try to use that as some type of excuse. And can I tell you, it's just a flimsy excuse. It really is. We need to take a look at ourselves. You know, if, if we have lived very long, men, our hair typically turns gray or it turns loose, one of the two, sometimes both. We don't look like we used to either, do we? But why is it the temptation to look at somebody else and to use that as an excuse? It's because Satan becomes involved but we are supposed to love our wives just as we love our own bodies we should be just as concerned for them really more as we are for ourselves and then as in verse 31 paul quotes a verse from genesis here genesis 2 24 i wonder why he would do that well here's the answer it was relevant the people needed to hear it and I believe that God knew that we would need to hear it on this day. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And you know, that's exactly what happens. On the day of a wedding, the bride and groom, and they arrive at the place where they're getting married as two individuals. That's how they arrive, but they don't leave like that. They don't leave like that in God's eyes. They leave in God's eyes as one flesh. 
It's very, very serious. That is how God sees us after we're married. He doesn't see us as individuals anymore. He sees us as one flesh, which that should strengthen the commitment we have to our marriages. And then Paul tells us here this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Paul, you know, Paul is a very bold person. He didn't leave them wondering what this this verse meant. He says it refers to Christ and the church, and that is exactly what it does refer to. Now we're going to be taught. We've been talking about the marriage relationship. We are going to be talking about the relationship between two other groups of people right now and the Lord. And the first is children. Look at what verses 1 through 4 tell us. And if you're a child in here this morning, I I want you to listen to this and hear what God expects you to do. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you something. And, you know, I mentioned a minute ago that I'm, I'm 56 years old right now and that I have seen a lot in my lifetime. And one of the things that I have seen over the last 20 or 30 years, particularly, it seems like I would just describe it as the breakdown of the traditional home. I'll just tell you this in full transparency. When I was growing up, when I was in my parents' home, not obeying them was not an option. It wasn't. Now, don't take me wrong. I had loving parents, but they had rules. There, there were expectations And I knew that if I chose not to obey their rules, there was a penalty, and it was a stern penalty. But, you know, as I started to grow up, I realized that the reason that I obeyed their rules wasn't because that I was afraid of my parents. It was because I loved them, and I respected them. I wanted to honor them. And as I became a Christian, I realized it was my responsibility to do that. It should be exactly like that today. Children, you are called to honor your father and mother as long as they are not asking you to do something that dishonors the Lord. Assuming that what they're asking you to do honors the Lord, it's the call of children to obey their parents. And, you know, as I, I want to revisit that, what I said just a moment ago, that as I grew older, I began to realize that the reason that I obeyed my parents' rules was because I loved and respected them. It caused me to think about the relationship between me and Christ. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Is the reason that you obey Christ, is it because you're afraid of Him? Or is it because you love and respect Him? Once we get to the point where we truly love and respect Christ and we want to do his will. It will become our daily walk will look much much differently. And then verse 4, there is a special warning to fathers here. We're not supposed to, prov- to provoke our children to anger, 
But instead, we've got the responsibility to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you hear that and you think, I haven't done that. Start now. It is never, ever too late. Start now. Don't leave that responsibility to your wife. And then this last group of people that the text addresses this morning starts with the word bondservants. And perhaps in some of your translations, instead of the word bondservant, you find the word slaves. But we are talking about in this last section of verses the relationships between slaves and their masters, bondservants and their masters, and I'm going to tell you, I believe this is, has, has total application to the workplace today between workers and their supervisors. What Paul is telling us here is that we are to do our work as if we are working directly for the Lord. That's how we are to do our work, that we are rendering service to the Lord and not to man. It says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. You know, if we are honoring Christ in our daily life, as we go to work, it will probably be much easier to please our employers. And again, we are to honor. We are to honor those that are over us as long as they are not asking us to do something that contradicts God's will. We are to work as if we are working for the Lord and not for man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. And then Paul doesn't just stop right there. He flips the scenario here and talks directly to the masters. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. And what he's really saying here is because he who is their master and yours, he's in heaven. He's in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So we are called to represent Christ in all that we do. Perhaps you're here this morning and you, and you realize, maybe let's just say you're a husband and you realize, I have not been serving as the spiritual leader of my home. Let me tell you, you can start that today. Make the commitment to that today. Maybe there are wives here this morning who their husband is submitting to the Lord. And you realize that you haven't been submitted. You can start that today. You can make the decision to do that today. Perhaps there's children here this morning. And you realize that you haven't been obeying your parents. You can make that commitment today. Remember the title of the message is Spirit-Filled Submission. And in order for that to occur, we first got to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We believe that we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And I think every time that we come together, it's an opportunity for us to share Christ. Perhaps there are people here this morning that you've realized that you're not a Christian. Today can be the day of salvation. 
The scripture says that. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. So I want to tell you quickly how it is a person receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. First of all, you've got to realize that there is something present in your life that's caused a separation between you and the Lord, and that something is called sin. You've got to realize that God doesn't like sin. In fact, he hates sin. We've got to be willing to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that he did everything that the Bible says that he did, that he loved us so much that he was willing to die for us on that old rugged cross. We've got to believe that, but it doesn't just stop there. We have got to believe that he was physically nailed to that cross. We've got to believe that he literally died. We believe that he was taken off the cross. He was put in a tomb, and then three days later, He rose from the dead, and that's why we celebrate Easter. We've got to believe all of that. And then we've got to confess. We've got to tell Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. And that that involves repenting and turning from a life of sin. I've said many times, Jesus will meet you where you are. He absolutely will do that, but it's not his desire that you stay there. It's not. He, he will issue the command to you go and sin no more. So if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I, I, I beg you to think about that seriously today. Life is so very, very uncertain. Your life could end before you get home today. My life could end before I get home today. And I wonder if that were to happen, are you ready to stand before Jesus face to face? And if your answer is no or I'm not sure, please don't leave this place today without coming forward and talking to me or Brother Blake. We would love to talk to you about Jesus. Remember our first song this morning, that spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, fall fresh on me. Maybe you feel like this morning, I I need the Spirit to fall fresh on me. If you feel that way this morning, I urge you just to come forward, kneel at the foot of the cross, talk to Jesus about that, and that Spirit will fall if you're in Christ. Whatever your need is this morning, I pray that you will come. Jesus is waiting at the foot of the cross. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for bringing us to this place this morning. Father, I thank you for your word that is true. I thank you for the difficult passages to to work through and to process. Father, I pray that as husbands that we will lead well. Lord, I pray that we will seek you in all that we do. Father, we need your spirit to fall fresh. Lord, I pray that we will see you do that today. Father, I pray for people this morning that are hearing my voice that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that this would be the day that that they feel you knocking on their heart's door. Lord, I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. Father, for the decisions that need to be made, whether that is to rededicate ourselves to you, whether it is um, 
the decision to truly seek you in all things. But I pray that whatever it is, Lord, we, I pray that we will realize that you are sufficient and you are the one who can supply our needs. Father, I pray that you will show favor to us as a congregation. Father, I thank you for the things that you have done. I thank you for the things that you will do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.